Hello and welcome to Fight Talk, brought to you by the MMA Judgment. I'm Jay. I'm Kieran. And today we're joined by Chris from Unmatched MMA. Thanks for taking the time out, Chris. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem. So, uh, first off, I, I just wanted to uh, discuss like your, your setup. Um, you're quite different to other podcasts. You know, yeah, it's basically like you, you have a podcast done in under 20 minutes, but you get everything across. Um, I've have you always. I just set up like that. Is that how you always wanted it, or is it just something that happened? It just sort of happened. Like, I always planned on having a podcast and me being the only host of it because that's just how it worked out. But I expected the episodes to be a lot longer. My first episode, I had so much to cover because it was after the first Fight Island card. And yeah. I was like, oh, this will be like 30, 45 minutes. I got so much stuff to talk about. And then it ended up being like 15 minutes. And it just sort of, no matter what I end up talking about, how much I end up talking about, it always hits that like 15 minute mark. And more people have started to notice it. So it seems to not be as much of a problem as I thought it was because I'm so used to podcasts being three to four hours long. But it, it just sort of happened and... As long as I cover the bases and, like, I go over everything I'm supposed to go over, so I'm okay with it. And I think a large part of it is because I'm the only host. I don't have a co-host to bounce ideas off of. I just have the results. I have my opinions and my interpretations of the results. And then it's on to the next one. Yeah, I think it's really good. And if it works, don't fix it. As you say, you get it all done in, like in 15 minutes and you get that weekend's news and everything in that time so I, I think it's great to keep uh, keep doing what you're doing thank you uh so i think it would be uh i think it'd be a bit rude of us if we didn't start off with talking about uh obviously anderson silver's last fight coming up this weekend against uriah hall um it's going to be sad to see a legend bow out of the sport yeah, I'm honestly kind of surprised that this is going to be his last fight, too, because for the past year or so, he's been talking about he won super fights, he's been calling out Conor McGregor, and he said he has two fights left on his contract, and he wanted to fight it out, but only having this one fight, it and with it being no disrespect to Uriah Hall, but I didn't think that would be the type of opponent and the type of fight that Silva would want for his retirement. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Um, it is it is mad. It's mad seeing him going there. Um, I know maybe like Dana spoke to him because it was like his uh, his recent losses and that. He said like, look, even though you've got two fights, just take the one. Because I think he recently said something about the sport not being the same since mm. the, the Tita's left. So maybe that also has something to do with it. Yeah, that's true. I think. I think the losses do have something to do with it because you gotta wonder at his age how much longer can he do it how he has two fights and he wants to fight it out but depending on how that first fight goes how soon can he come back and what kind of shape is he gonna be in by the time of that second fight and I think just going into the X's and O's of this fight with Uriah Hall I think it's a really dangerous fight for him because He's had some trouble with his legs lately, and Uriah Hall is such a powerful striker, and you gotta wonder if that's going to be a factor again with those kicks that Uriah Hall likes to throw. Yeah, I think it'll definitely definitely be a factor. Um, we we mentioned it on our last episode, you know, Anderson Silva hasn't really been the same since the two Wideman fights, especially the second one. Um, and 
I don't know, it, it's been a shame to watch him get so many losses over the last few years. I think it's probably, although it is surprising, I do agree with you there. Um, I think it's the right time for him to to call it a day. Um, like you say, I think now there's, there's, there's almost sort of that next level of, of athlete in, in the UFC, especially at the moment where he just, I don't think, especially at his age, he, he can't keep up with them and compete properly anymore. For sure. I think that was proven in his fight with Adesanya. He had a lot of good moments, but when you really look at that fight, it was like Silva versus Silva, and that new generation kind of... It was, it was the changing of the guard, basically. And like you said, as bittersweet as it is to see him go, the way I see it, at least he's doing it on his own accord, because you see some legends that... They, they really don't know when to hang it up. And you can make the argument that he should have done it sooner, but in the Adesanya fight, he was still relatively competitive. So you gotta wonder if he's just waiting to get that one last win and go from there. Yeah, it's entirely possible. I mean, whether he whether he was targeting a, a money fight with, with Connor, I don't think that's... It's not what you come to expect from Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva wanted to fight the best because he was the best, not because of what he could do for his, you know, for his bank account. And it, it would have been, it would. I don't think it wouldn't have been something I would have wanted to see personally. Yeah, it it, it could always be worse. It could be like B J Penn staying forever, and you have to tell him you gotta you gotta hang it up. Yeah. Do you think all the losses over the last few years? Do you think that's done anything? To, to affect Anderson's legacy? It's it's hard to say because he made his UFC debut when he was 31, and that's when most fighters are hitting their prime. And he had such a successful title run until the Weidman fights. And after that leg injury in the second fight, you can make the argument that that could have been the point that he retired and his legacy would be completely fine. But with these losses, I keep thinking about the Adesanya loss because even Izzy was saying that was like one of the hardest fights he's been in. Obviously, this was before the Gastelum fight. But um, I don't know. I think his last win was against Derek Brunson. And like, I thought that was a fluke. I don't know if you guys agree with that. But I still think... Because of the fact that he's still able to be competitive with these people in some degree, it doesn't affect his legacy that much. Because it's not like he's getting knocked out in the first round every single time. Mm. Yeah, see where you're coming from. Um, but no, I think it is a shame that he's he's ducking out. Um, well, not ducking out. It's probably the wrong choice of words there. <laughs> <Yeah>. But uh, <laughs> the fact that he's leaving is is definitely a shame. I think, like you say, it's definitely a tough fight for him against Yurai Hall. Yurai Hall is. Seem to have uh, turned the corner with his career of of late. Uh, joining obviously the new team has has been revolutionary for him. Really, you could say. Mm-hmm. If and I'm sure you've seen this too. Uh, Silva's been saying that this whole fight week. Oh, this is probably my last fight. First, it was this is definitely his last fight. Now it's probably and obviously it's going to depend on the result. That's what I think he's thinking. So, if he wins this and he wants to do that one last fight, who do you think his opponent should be? Um, it's a tough yeah. one, really, I think. It is. It's, it's a good especially, especially since recently he has fought sort of who's who in, in middleweight. He's, he's obviously fought, is he? He's fought uh, Cannonier recently. Mm. Um, obviously, he fought um, Bispin before he retired. So, I think he's kind of He's, he's almost done a sort of journey of, of the big players in middleweight at the moment. Um, obviously, he's not anymore at that level where you could say a rematch with Izzy is on the cards, even though he probably did give Izzy more problems than anybody else has mm-hmm. recently. Um, you know, when you can't really say that, he, he, it's worth him fighting a, a Robert Whittaker. Um, I mean, from from my point of view, being obviously us from Liverpool, um, I think it'd be. I think it'd be huge if if Darren Till could fight him, just for just for Darren Till. Um, you know, he's obviously he's Darren Till's still an up and comer largely, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And but I think he'd give Anderson a good test. But I think Anderson would be competitive with him at the same time. Yeah, um, do you, there was obviously talks years ago, obviously when they were both in the prime and at the best. 
you think the the fight to go out on if he wins would be a JSP? You know, I've thought about that a lot. I'm I'm surprised that they never crossed paths before. But at this stage, if GSP's not if GSP's not gonna come back to fight Khabib, I don't think he's gonna come back to fight Silva. And um I'm thinking about that Darren Till fight now, that would be awesome. <laughs> um I think a good one would be Kelvin Gastelum because Gastelum's coming off of a couple losses and they've been They've been booked to fight in the past before, and in the build-up to the interim title fight with Gaslam and Adesanya, a big point that Gaslam was making was Adesanya couldn't even finish Silva. If I fought him, I'm sure it would have gone completely different and I would have finished him. Well, let's see it then. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would definitely be an interesting fight. Um, you know, Gaslam, he's got... He's got dynamite in his fist when he when he can connect. So uh, there's always the there's always the wow factor when he fights, and obviously Anderson's Anderson. So maybe um, how how do you see the fight going yourself personally with Hall? Yeah, um, it's so tough because I think at this stage in both of their careers they're almost on the same playing field. Now, if it was Prime Silva versus Prime Hall, I'd pick Silva all day, but. Where they're at now, I think it really comes down to who hits harder and who's able to land first. And I think that favors Hall because of the frailty that Silva's had recently with the cannoneer leg injury and stuff like that. I think Hall could present some problems in the striking just because you got to wonder how smooth that head movement is from Silva, how fast he can evade those strikes and I think Hall's going to be more powerful than him yeah. what, what are the odds saying over in the US have they got Hall as, as the favourite or is it still Anderson I haven't seen the odds lately but I think um, I think consensus everyone's rooting for Silva because of the narrative that's his retirement fight but intelligently when people break down the fight I, I think it's pretty even yeah, I think one of the big things that Anthony is going to have, obviously, talking about his whole leg injuries and everything, um, being in his last fight, he got beat with leg kicks, would obviously be that that uh, Uriah goes with that game plan, you know, rather than trying to hit him in the head and, and possibly bob him weaving, he takes out his legs. And it's the same leg that's been getting injured too, isn't it? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 going to be something to keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah and that, I suppose that that would end up being a factor in, you know, his decision if he does end up calling it, calling it quits. Um, you know, at the weekend, if he's if he's continually getting injuries on the same leg, then there's only so long he can physically go on, not not just mentally. Yeah, he could. I don't know if he's done this, but I know Diego Sanchez got stem cell treatment for a lot of his career-long injuries, and he's been saying it's the best thing ever. He's never felt better. Maybe that could be a route for Silva to use if he hasn't already. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. certainly something to consider, I suppose. Um, well, let's move on. Obviously, as I say, we're losing Anderson this weekend. Last week, we lost uh, Khabib. Mm-hmm. Uh, or so it seems, anyway. We'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> um, but obviously, it, it now opens up the, the lightweight picture wide open, blows it wide open. Um, we, again, something we discussed on our last episode, where did he go from here? Uh, there's been a lot of ideas thrown about on Twitter. I'm sure you've seen the majority of them yourself. Um, what, ideally, in, in your eyes, how, where do you think do you go with the lightweight division? Man, it's such a stacked division, and the top five is just killer's row. And now with Michael Chandler in the equation, and with how much the UFC has been pushing him, it's hard to gauge what they want to do because I think what I want to do with the division doesn't align well with what the UFC wants to do or what I think they're going to do. But if I was in charge, I would probably see if Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor weren't tied with each other already. And like people are talking about them fighting, I would break that up and make Ferguson versus Poirier and McGregor and Gaethje. Which one would be for the title, I don't know. Probably Poirier and Ferguson. 
and then the winner of Connor and Gaethje fights for the belt. But it's such a... You would think it would open the division up with Khabib gone, but now there's so many potential matchups and it's hard to pick which one which ones to make. Do you, um, do you think of two things? Do you think McGregor actually deserves to be in that picture, regardless of whether he's the money maker or not? And um, the second thing is, do you think Oliveira is being overlooked and not give, getting given the shot that he deserves? As a McGregor fan, it's hard to say, but I I honestly don't think he deserves to be immediately in the title picture. I don't think that they should have tried making the rematch with Khabib and the Ultimate Fighter and everything when he was just coming off a win against Cowboy at 170 nonetheless. Yeah. And I, I honestly thought before the pandemic started, I thought the lightweight division was in such a perfect place. They... They could have made Khabib Ferguson. That fight finally would have happened. However that goes, we'll never know. But while that's happening, they could have made McGregor and Gaethje for International Fight Week. And then that would have set up the winner of that fight. But then with the pandemic and everything, and then they made... As soon as they announced Ferguson versus Gaethje, I'm like, okay, everything's messed up up now this is going to take so long for this division to shake out now the fight was always Khabib Tony and everyone was clamoring for all accepting so when I think about the other contenders in the division I'm a huge Tony Ferguson fan too so I don't think Connor deserves to get the jump ahead of Ferguson when Ferguson's just coming off of one loss and there's a bunch of circumstances that led to that loss. You can argue that he would have lost with more time to prepare, but we'll never know. And Connor hasn't fought at 155 in three years, maybe four years now. So, yeah, he needs to take a fight at lightweight, and then if he wins, maybe fight for the title after that, but I don't know. And about Charles Oliveira, I definitely feel like he's being overlooked. I think he deserves to be in that picture way more than Michael Chandler does. He's... His win streak is absolutely incredible. He's really slick on the ground, and his striking's gotten better and better. And when you throw him into the top five against Poirier, against Ferguson, I think that'd be some really exciting matchups. And I can see him fighting for the belt in the next, with the logjam at lightweight, probably two years. Yeah. Yeah. So you've kind of... You've kind of already answered the question I was going to ask, but obviously Michael Chandler is is it looks like the UFC are, are going ahead with with him anyway. Um, mm. Do you think it's a do you think it's a wise move them trying to include him so much at the minute with no. him not having a fight in the UFC? I think he needs to fight someone like Paul Felder. Maybe I'm a big fan of the matchup with him and Ally Quinta. I haven't seen a lot of people talking about that lately, but I think that'd be an amazing test to see where he fits in the division. And stylistically, they match up really well together. I don't think... Just because he was a Bellator champion, I think we'd both agree that there are levels <laughs> between the UFC and Bellator. And I don't think... Definitely. I don't think the fact that he was a champion in Bellator makes the case for him to just make his UFC debut in a number one contenders fight or a title fight. Because especially when you consider the top five in the UFC and all that they've done all that some of them have done to earn a title shot like Ferguson, like Oliveira, like Poirier to get another shot at the title. It He needs to fight Iaquinta. I think that's the fight all day. A lot of people seem to be wanting to match him with Hoka. How do you think that one goes? Chandler versus Hooker? Yeah. Hmm. I think Hooker would win it just by keeping the range. Um, if he doesn't put himself into a dogfight like he did against Dustin Poirier or Edson Barboza, I think I think he's got it. And I don't know. I think Chandler would present some challenges, but not enough to actually get the jump over Hooker. I think Hooker's too he's too sophisticated. He's too elusive when he wants to be. And with him training with Volkanovski and Adesanya and all those people, the dude can game plan. And I don't think Chandler's going to be able to do anything that Hooker hasn't seen before, just with those two training partners in mind. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, sticking with sticking with lightweight and, and Khabib for the moment. Um, it did come out last night that Dana thinks he'll go for thirty and all after having more conversations with him. Hmm. Do, you see, do you think that's something we'll we'll end up seeing? I hope so. I mean, I wouldn't consider myself a Khabib fan, but obviously his dominance in the octagon, you can't help but respect it. I admire his family values, and I think he carries himself as a true champion. And I do think it would, all of us, including him, would probably feel incomplete in a way if he didn't try and go for that 30th victory, because for the longest time, that was the narrative, that that was his plan with his father to get to 30-0. and And I can understand why he was so emotional after the Gaethje fight and wanting to retire, and the promise he made to his mom, I can't be, I can't argue with that. But I think there needs to be a thirtieth fight. Do you think? Um, do you think Dane is wanting to actually make the Ferguson fight? Because I know Ferguson posted like a, a video almost. Uh, it was like him and Khabib. It was after Khabib won, wasn't it? So do you think Dana wants to get that out for the fans and? Uh, see if he gets to face, you know, fans actually finally get that fight. Bro, I, I hope so. I'm a, <laughs> I am ai love Tony Ferguson. Like, Conor McGregor got me into the UFC, but I stayed interested because of Tony Ferguson. And yeah. I believe in my heart of hearts that he is the single biggest challenge for Khabib, both on the ground and just Altogether, when you consider conditioning, striking, grappling, I think if anybody can beat him, it's him. And for for the fact that that fight hasn't been booked, well, hasn't happened now after being booked five times, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> like yeah, that that's the fight all day, every day. I was so upset when they did the build up to Khabib and Gaethje. They're like, oh, this is the biggest challenge for Khabib. Blah blah blah. I'm like, no. He he. Gaethje reminded me of Connor and Dustin so much. Just the same approach, the same game plan, and you saw what happened with them when they went in with that game plan. Yeah. Tony's Tony's not gonna do that, and I think to see Tony's talking about taking Khabib down. He was talking about at the press conference he put his belt on the ground to measure how he was going to take Khabib down and stuff like that he was measuring how he was going to kick him in the head like that's the fight and I do think that that's the best fight to end Khabib's career on I know that they're talking about GSP no I'm not I'm not about that life yeah and I think that would be super interesting to see them be the coaches on the ultimate fighter too I was I'm way more into that than I am with the McGregor rematch. Yeah, I mean for me, if he rematches McGregor, I mean Khabib has nothing to gain from fighting Conor McGregor again except no. a huge check in the bank. Yeah. And Khabib Khabib isn't really about that. Um he just wants to fight again, kind of similar to Anderson Silver. He wants to fight the best because they deserve another chance and you know, he's been respectful with Gaethje after the fight. He was very respectful with uh, Dustin after their fight so i think yeah i mean ferguson is it's the one fight it's the big what if in in the lightweight division and i think we all deserve to see that fight eventually it, and if he does come back for 30 yeah it does <laughs> and if he does come back to to try and get 30 you know then if he gets it with ferguson then i, I think there's no real argument anymore then if about you know gold status i don't think mm-hmm. he even said so many times with all the times that that fight's been booked, he said, if I want to be cemented as the greatest lightweight ever, I have to beat Tony Ferguson. And I don't think that just because Tony's coming off of the loss that he's on right now, I still don't think that changes because, again, when you consider the factors that went into that loss and the short notice and everything, Tony's still dangerous. And I think, if anything, that loss showed Tony some holes in his game that he maybe wasn't aware of or he was taking them for granted because he was able to tough it out. And I don't think... I think he's going to be even more dangerous coming off of this loss. And with Khabib, his last two performances, especially against Poirier and Gaethje, he's he's never looked better. And I, I truly believe that if they make the fight now, we would get the best out of both of them. Yeah, it would be. It would be an amazing fight. 
Um, so obviously with, with Khabib getting the win over Gaethje, he, he went to pound for pound number one, which has resulted in John Jones being, uh, for lack of a better term, a salty bitch on, on Twitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do, you, do you think he's got a right to be a bit salty and, and pissed off with, with that decision? Not at all. I think, I definitely believe that John Jones is the GOAT. I mean, with his resume compared to Khabib's resume, I don't think they're really comparable. But I think a lot of people confuse the GOAT and pound for pound. They kind of mix them together. If we're just talking pound for pound, it's Khabib. It's Khabib. It's probably been Khabib for a while now. And their performances. John Jones' last two fights, he's looked human. Khabib hasn't. He faced some adversity in the Dustin Poirier fight, but even then, that was like 30 seconds out of a 15-minute contest. It's really not that much to point at when John Jones, you can argue that Dominic Reyes beat him. You can make the case that Tiago Santos beat him. Uh, I would argue that if you look back at that fight, it's more clear that John Jones won it, but still, that was a factor. So, just going pound for pound right now, it's definitely Khabib. John Jones has no room to argue that. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think you're right again. I think people do confuse the GOAT with, with pound for pound. Um, you know, pound for pound is obviously more in the moment what's going on. Uh, some of the rankings on there are a bit strange for me. I don't think, at the moment at least, I don't think Adesanya is below Jones. Um, with with the performances Adesanya's been putting in recently, I think he's above Jones right now. Mm. Um, but obviously Jones, you know, moving up to, to heavyweight and stuff like that, it's a new new chapter for him. It's a chance to cement his, his legacy even further and even stronger than it already is. Um, how, how do you see him faring at heavyweight? It, it all depends on the opponent. I was a big advocate for him staying at light heavyweight, consistently cleaning out the division, just doing what the champion's supposed to do, not chasing the big fights, the money fights, because if you don't focus on your contenders in your division, you're going to get caught. And I think that happened in the Dominic Reyes fight. He said in the build-up he was campaigning for a Stipe Miocic fight, and Dominic Reyes almost beat him. So if he moves up to heavyweight, I think it depends on the opponent. I know a lot of people are into the Francis Ngannou fight. I'm really not. I think it can go one of two ways. Neither of them really do anything for me or for the division, really, when you think about it. Um, I'm really interested in the Stipe fight because they're around the same height. They have the same reach. They walk around around the same weight. So it's a pretty even playing field. And with Ngannou... It could look like the first Stipe fight and John Jones just wrestles him for 25 minutes. Everyone's going to be like, oh, I don't want to see that. Or Nganu knocks him out cold in 15 seconds. And then what do you, what do you gain from that, though? The division doesn't really move because John Jones would be making his debut. It, I think it depends on the opponent. You hear stories about John Jones training with heavyweights like Overeem and Arlovsky in their primes and he ragdolls them i don't know i don't know if he could do the same thing against someone like curtis blades or someone like Derek lewis well maybe Derek lewis but curtis blades with the pressure he puts on you you gotta wonder what john jones is gonna look like from his back so it really depends on the opponent when he moves up who do you think should be his opponent considering his, his last two fights and that they are questionable and obviously he's vacated the title and he's moving on. Do you think he still gets a top five? Or I definitely think given his resume and just his status, he deserves a top five for sure with the fact he was a former champion and he, he might have cleared out the division once or twice. But as far as the title picture goes, you give Francis a title shot, see how that fight plays out. Maybe you could put him uh, up against the winner, but looking at the rankings, I think, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe while Francis is fighting Stipe, you can make him versus Curtis Blades, assuming Curtis Blades beats Derek Lewis. Mm. So the winner of that fight, well, that's going on. That could be the number one contenders fight. 
Or John Jones can just sit and wait for the next title shot after Francis and Stipe plays out. Yeah, I think I think he'd be better trying to get a win in heavyweight before he, he targets the title fight. Um, I think it'd be unfair to the people who have, you know, worked worked hard in heavyweight for a long time to get to near the title fight. And obviously, we know Ngannou's next in line. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you say, maybe yeah, maybe he goes after a, a Blades or a Derek Lewis or someone gets gets a win, gets the feel of heavyweight, and then moves on to the title fight because it, it looks like. You know they're going to be adamant to to get him in that picture sooner rather than later, and for obvious reasons. You know, like say John Jones was one of the one of the greatest combat fighters we've ever seen, yeah. so he, he's obviously going to be in that picture regardless. But I think he needs to just see how he fares in in heavyweight soon uh, first. And you gotta wonder how soon he wants to make his debut because after the Adesanya fight, he went on that Twitter tirade and he mentioned he's taking all this time off to gain muscle and so he's not so outweighed by the heavyweights so you gotta wonder how long that's gonna take and how that lines up with the title fight because he could make his debut right in line to fight the winner of the title so it also depends on when he wants to come back as well as how the fights play out I think they go hand in hand yeah absolutely Um, so Obviously, like Keaton said, uh, he's obviously vacated the belt and Jan is now the champion. Um, there's been talk on Twitter of Adesanya targeting Jan and Jan's apparently up for the fight. Um, how, do you see, how do you see that one going if it eventually happens? If it happens, I mean, I think if we go off of consistency, I would have to go with Izzy because you kind of know what you're going to get with him. Jan is such a wild card. He could have the performance that he had against Dominic Reyes, or he could have the performance that he had against Jacare. I don't know if you guys remember that fight. Sometimes I forget that fight happened, but it was really lackluster, and I thought Jacare beat him just off of pressure points and grappling exchanges and stuff like that. So, if Izzy does move up to 205, it's going to be interesting to see how he looks, but... I still think he has it. He's got the speed advantage over Jan. I think Jan's legendary Polish power would be interesting to see if Izzy if he can land on Izzy. But yeah, I would I would favor Izzy in that fight, probably by decision. Yeah, uh, I think I agree with you there. Obviously, it's a different dy- dynamic with Jan and Jones. You know, in Jones, you had the danger of the wrestling and that, and I don't think Jan would do that. He'd obviously stand up and try and use that power to knock him, knock him out, but I just think even moving up, I think Adesanya'd be too too slick and, you know, too fluid for him. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think Izzy would have been that fight. I think maybe Jan's just looking for any opponent because, I mean, Santos and Tashera's yeah, I mean, um, obviously, Izzy's also been sort of targeting Jones himself. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that's a do you think that's a smart decision from Adesanya? Do you think he's wise to be going after John Jones? I don't think he should be going after Jones at heavyweight, but I think if they make it at two hundred five, it'd be really interesting. Um, going back to Jan versus Izzy, what, whether or not it should happen, I think is. You can make a case as to why it should and why it shouldn't. I personally don't think it should because I think Tiago Santos, if he gets by Teixeira, he needs to get that title shot. And I'm going to go off on a limb and say he's going to be the champion by this time next year. I I seriously think that there's nobody that's going to beat him. And other than John Jones without legs. But while... That fight's going... I think it depends on when they book that fight, Jan versus Izzy, because I don't know how many people are interested in seeing a rematch with Robert Whitaker, and depending on how Santos versus Teixeira goes, it could be a while before that fight, that title fight could be booked. So if they if they book it soon because Izzy loves to stay active, he could fight like every week if he wanted to. Um, and Jan is... He likes to stay active too, so if they book that soon while Santos is recovering and something else happens in the middleweight division, it would be interesting, but I don't know. And John Jones, I think 
I think at 205 is the more interesting matchup. At heavyweight, I I think it's I think it gives John Jones a really big advantage over Izzy and it's just it's almost not fair <laughs> and that fight should be made at 205. Izzy shouldn't be chasing him to heavyweight. Yeah. I agree. Um obviously you mentioned with um with Stipe and Jones, the, the of similar height, they walk around about the same weight. Mm. Do you think because of that, we will actually see a better version of Jones because he won't have to be cutting so much weight as he normally will be? It's hard to tell because when he's in, when you're in a fight camp, a lot of the weight just kind of comes off with the training and then the diet and stuff like that. And Jones has been really open about the weight cuts aren't really that hard for him. Now, whether that's just a facade and it is difficult for him, I don't know. He seems sincere when he talks about, oh, the weight just comes off. So, without the weight cut, I don't know how big of a factor it'll play, if at all. But I do think it could give him more of a, just a physical strength advantage when it comes to wrestling, if he chooses to wrestle, because... It, again, it depends on the opponent because the way Jones fights, he likes to beat you at your own game. He stood and banged with Santos for 25 minutes and completely obliterated his legs. He stood with Reyes until he learned that he probably shouldn't and then went for the takedown. So he doesn't really play to his strengths until it's in a rematch and... I don't know how much of the weight cut would play into it just because I think that favors the grappling and the wrestling more, and I don't think he would be using that. Yeah, no, good take on it. Um, it's, yeah, and then I think, obviously, uh, Keaton has mentioned there to me, which I, I actually didn't know about before, before we went live, uh, about Robbie Lawler pulling out of his fight. Mm, yeah. Um, which is a shame. I mean, I, I say I didn't see anything about it beforehand so do we do we know the reason for that at the minute i i tried figuring it out uh all the sources i've looked at just says he's not fighting because of an injury they don't say what it is but you gotta wonder how bad it is because robbie lawler he he's not normally one to back out of a fight injured or not he still shows up to fight yeah so obviously that leaves Mike Perry without a without an opponent, he did. Uh, I believe he asked for Kamaev, and um, obviously he's booked with with Edwards. So, <laughs> who would you actually put Perry up against? Well, I just saw this this morning. Um, Bilal Muhammad had a fight booked, and then his opponent got injured. So now he's looking for a replacement. And he called out Mike Perry. Right. I I think that'd be an interesting fight. Yeah. Um, off the top of my head, who else is like available? De- definitely not Chemaev. That, especially now that Chemaev's booked against Edwards, it just doesn't make sense anymore. I think Bilal Muhammad would be the fight to make. Yeah, I think that's a good matchup. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. I agree. Obviously, while we while we're mentioning uh, Chemaev and Edwards, uh, it's nice to see Edwards finally getting back in, into the octagon yeah. after what feels like an eternity. Um, do you th- I, I don't know. For me, obviously, Edwards was ranked number three, I think, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And obviously, Kamaev, even though he's fought a lot recently, he's still unranked. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's... I, I, I see Edwards winning, but it's a, it's a, it's a risky fight, fighting an, un, an unranked opponent like that. Mm-hmm. I think... If you would have asked me a few months ago what I thought about this matchup, I would have said the same thing. It doesn't make sense... Chemaev's not even ranked. Edwards is on his way to a title shot. But honestly, with the way it is now and Edwards just almost refusing to take a fight, especially with Wonderboy, like, why would you not take that fight? Yeah. Like, I think he was almost strong-armed into taking this fight, too, because the UFC removed him from the rankings and then put him back in when it was announced that he accepted the fight Chemaev. So... If only they could have done that for the Wonder Boy fight, but yeah, I definitely agree that this is a dangerous fight, um, especially with the fact that Chemayev, he trains with, he's a training partner for Alexander Gustafsson. He fights at 185 and 170, and just in his three UFC fights, nobody's been able to exploit any of his weaknesses because they don't, his fights don't last that long. They don't get out of the first round. 
and he he could do the same thing to Edwards too. He could just ground and pound him all night. He could just knock him out standing. It. I don't think this is the fight for Edwards, but he had to take a fight at some point. So at at this rate, I don't care who the opponent is, just get him in there. Yeah. Do you um, do you see Edwards not winning the fight then? Right now, I think it's a little too early to tell because it it's been a year and a half or close to it since Edwards' last fight, and that was against RDA. And he did look really well in that, but at the same time, you got to consider the type of opponent because RDA just hasn't seemed that that motivated lately. Um, Chemaev, he's on top of the world right now, and he's gonna he's gonna be bringing that with him into the octagon all that all that hype all that intensity um you gotta wonder how edwards is gonna be able to deal with that because if something we haven't really seen edwards ever since the fight with uzman we, we haven't seen him in that much adversity and chemaev is going to be the one to put some on him and I, at this point, I don't know how he's going to be able to deal with that. Being on that win streak that he was on, being so close to a title shot. I think right now, I think Chemayev has a chance, but I, I can't make a pick right now. It's still too early. Yeah, yeah I agree. I think I think Chemayev will be very um, motivated going into the fight. I think he's going to be very confident going into the fight, obviously, with them fighting so often recently. Um, mm. I think... I, I don't know, in my heart sort of tells me that Edward's sort of skill set and just overall, you know, like we, we know he's, he's top he's top five easy in the mm. division. So you'd like to think that that will come into it and he will get the win over him and just just get him it just gets him in there again, like you say. It's he needed someone to he needed something to get him back in and at least then he can then if he wins he can go on and, and try and get towards the belt again. Um, because he was obviously pushing towards that beforehand. Yeah, and it it the reason it's hard for me to pick who's going to win is because sometimes the better fighter doesn't always get their hand raised. And it comes down sometimes to just physical strength. Like like the Mike Perry and the Mickey Gall fight, for example. That People were expecting Mickey Gall to present some challenges on the ground he couldn't even get it to the ground because mike perry was just so much stronger than him and i think chemayev just physically is stronger than leon edwards and i don't know how much of edwards's skill set is going to be able to give him more of an advantage over just that raw physical strength do you still think Ed uh, edwards is targeting the masvidal fight at some point I hope it happens. I would like some closure on that because on, uh, right now I feel like that's his biggest claim to fame is getting three-pieced in a soda by Masvidal backstage because if you really think about it, a lot of people don't even remember that that RDA fight happened. So mm, it's yeah. it's hard to tell because I, I would be chasing that too. If, if somebody slapping me around like that behind with cameras around backstage i would want to go after that guy too so i hope that fight happens but you gotta wonder with colby and masvidal and gilbert burns and all of them have cases for a title shot you gotta the division does have to shake out and and edwards has to get through chemayev yeah i, I think would you rather see colby fight masvidal or if Edwards is to beat Kamayev, have him fight Masvidal. Who would you rather see him have? That's a good question. I think, I think Masvidal and Covington is the fight to make right now because they they are actively talking about making that fight, and I don't think Edwards, even if he beats Jamaev, I don't think he's going to be ready to to come back so soon against one of them. So. And there's a lot of drama with Maslow and Covington too. Maybe not as much with the whole Leon Edwards stuff, but there's still a story there. Yeah, and it's an intriguing matchup because they they lived with each other, so they know each other's games. So I think I think Maslow Covington would be the more interesting fight for me. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Do you think um, Do you think Masvidal is sort of 
it seems to me like he only kind of wants money fights now. He obviously took the Usman fight at really short notice. Um, but for me, it seems he's he's become sort of a he's become a, a star outside of MMA now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's for me, it seems like he just wants that to to, to be the money fighter now, like a bit of a, a bit of a Nate Diaz. Obviously, the fight with Connor made Nate Diaz a money fight. Um, and I think you know, obviously, the, the BMF title. Was it, the concept of it was a bit of a joke, but it turned yeah. out to be a good fight. In fairness, um, so I think I don't know. I don't know if it's it's difficult for me to say with Masvidal. I think on a full camp, I think he does better against Usman. But like you say, the the fight with Colby is very interesting at the minute. Yeah, I I definitely agree that he's that star power is definitely getting to him. All, all that spotlight and everything and that in turn is going to make him ask for more money and chasing the bigger names instead of actually playing with the division and the rankings and what makes sense. Because if Usman wasn't the champion right now, I don't think he would have gone for that fight. He would have probably gone for the Covington fight because there's drama there and he's got a whole loyal fan base that thinks he could beat Covington. And that would bring more attention, more pay-per-view buys, stuff like that. And it's kind of a shame because I think that's why the Edwards and Azal fight hasn't been made right now. Because that could have happened International Fight Week last year, right after that whole three-piece in the soda. But then Ben Askren started chirping. He's a bigger name, so they made that fight. Then he just became an even bigger star, and Leon Edwards is just sort of existing. And... Yeah, I think I, he's definitely chasing the money fights more so than the competition. Yeah. Um, obviously, you mentioned you were a big uh, Conor McGregor fan. So, uh, I think it'd be rude not to ask you um, how you think his fight with, with Dustin's going to go. Do you see any outcome where Conor doesn't get his hand raised there? Definitely. I think I think this fight's going to be a lot more competitive than their first fight. But... I think Pori has advanced so much more since the first fight than McGregor has, but McGregor has still made improvements. He's made changes to his game. Uh, it's kind of hard to notice them because of how inactive he is, but it's still there. You can see it in his training, in his workouts. All the subtleties, ju- just going to the way he holds his hands up. He never did that when he was at Featherweight and stuff like that, and it brings up a whole different... Um, mindset to his opponent because they're so prepared for something and then with one subtle shift it completely changes like like if you look at the cowboy fight I don't think anybody was expecting Connor to throw a head kick and have it actually land but if you look at that replay he was I don't know how to explain this he was about he moved his hips and his shoulders in a way that looked like he was about to throw a cross or a hook or something like that. But with that flexibility and with that rotation, he came with the leg and aimed for the temple. And you could see Cowboy was defending the punch, and that opened his head right up. So with those types of improvements, I don't know how... I don't know if it'll change the outcome. I think Connor still gets his hand raised, but Dustin's... It's going to be a dogfight. I can't wait for it, man. Like... I part of me wishes the fight wasn't happening just to clear up the title picture a little bit, but because as a fan, if I'm not taking the title into consideration, I seriously can't wait for this fight because I think Dustin has a much better chance of winning because you got to wonder how much better Connor's cardio and his endurance is. And you saw with Dustin after that hip surgery that he had last year, He's able to throw kicks now, and he dug so many good kicks to the body of Dan Hooker. If he does that against Conor McGregor, it's it's going to be a long night for Conor, and I can see him getting finished. Yeah, it's certainly going to be one to look out for uh, when it does hopefully happen. I think at the minute for me, I think Conor's waiting for crowds to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, everybody knows that he, he feeds off the crowd. He, he loves the energy that he gets from the responses and stuff like that, so... I can understand why he'd want to wait for them to come back, but when it does go down, I'm at, you know how well to be watching. And to um, to kind of go after, obviously, it, it's been quite quite a joy to 
obviously uh, the impact of like punches and kicks and then uh, the whole um the commentary and the, the teams you know giving mm-hmm. advice but are you ready to see fans back now like even if it's only a little bit I think if I've actually attended UFC events before, I would probably be like, oh, I can't wait till they can let crowds back in so I can go to one. But as a fan and now doing this podcast and doing even more analysis than I thought I did before, I love being able to hear the corners much more clearly. If the fighters are talking to each other, you can hear it better. Yeah. And like I'm always listening for that anyway. Back when there were crowds before I was doing this show, I just always found it interesting. That's why I loved that series on Fight Pass, The Thrill and the Agony, and they had all that behind-the-scenes stuff and what they were saying in the octagon with each other. But um, I think I almost think the product itself, watching a UFC fight, is better with no fans because you still have the commentators. Uh, I mean, John Anik. John Anik is the goat, <laughs> and with. With him still on the mic, with those fights going on, I'm I'm perfectly happy. You can you can actually hear the punches land. So if someone swings really wildly and it looks like it landed or did something, there's a chance it was blocked or they just barely missed. Now you can really tell because you can hear it. Obviously, that kind of broke my heart with the Ferguson Gaethje fight, but it was still something really cool to to witness and just. I think the experience is better without fans too because you get better post-fight interviews from the fighters because they don't have that energy from the crowd whether it's good or bad. You don't have them cheering them for calling out a name that doesn't make sense. You don't have them being booed from maybe a lackluster performance and then they just start saying stupid things. They actually... From the time that they get out of the octagon to the station where they have to put the headset on and everything, they have time to compose themselves, clear their heads, and actually think about what they're about to say. And I think it's just better in this new environment than it was before the pandemic. Do you think we'll see fans be more appreciative of certain fighters and and fights in general when they are allowed back? Because obviously... It's almost it's that you know you don't know what you've lost until it's gone. It's kind of almost that. I think um, for me, I think that you're going to get less booing if it's you know you hear it all the time. If it's a fight that's predominantly on the crowd, mm-hmm. the crowd is the crowd's booing. Um, I think you're gonna you'll probably still get it, but I don't think it's going to be as much when fans come back just because it, you know now it can be kind of taken away from them at any point. I certainly hope so because I never understood booing someone after they just fought their heart out for 15 or 25 minutes it that's never been my thing and just i hope that the with the pandemic and everything there's been even more ufc fans coming out of the woodwork because there's no other sports on and this is the only sport i care about so i'm gonna say this is the only this is still the only sport on and with all those eyes paying attention to these fights now i hope that with this fanless environment and they can hear the punches land i hope it gives them more of a technical respect as to what these fighters are doing and hopefully these casuals and maybe even these hardcore fans in general just won't say oh stand them up jujitsu sucks and all this other stuff like they'll actually know what they're looking at and have more of an appreciation for it instead of just saying what they say yeah no that that's our up to where yeah. we're completely against the the booing of, of any fighter for you know when if they fought the heart out like you say for 15 or 25 minutes and then to boo them is just it's completely disrespectful to to what they've gone through for for months to get ready for that fight and then putting on a show so i hope um i hope they are more appreciative myself you remember aya quinta versus masvidal and what happened when the fans booed him I can't, no, I can't remember that, to be honest. Oh, man. So it was a split decision, and Aya Quinta got his hand raised, and I think this was actually Masvidal's last fight at lightweight. Everyone thought that Masvidal did enough to win the fight, and Aya Quinta's just looking into the crowd. He's like, you guys booing me? (laughs) And he was, like, flipping people off. He's like, I just fought my ass off and all this other stuff. Oh, my God. Definitely go check that out on YouTube. It's awesome. Oh, yeah, definitely. First, going to one that we touched on, uh, Edwards versus Chemaev. 
What do you guys think about that being a five-round fight? Um, I don't know. I think it, it's hard because obviously with, with Jemayev, we haven't, you know, he hasn't really gone that long. We haven't seen a lot of him. So it's, if Edward does take him to, the, to like the distance or into like them later rounds, like, how is he going to be? You know, it's, it is a different dynamic and it's, it's it'd be intriguing to see. Maybe that might be Edward's plan is to drag him out into them further rounds and try to take him out there. But um, yeah, I, I like it to be, be a five round fight, yeah. Yeah, I think if Edwards can get him out of that first round, it, it's going to be interesting to see. We might have another, you know, we might have a um, Shane Carwin scenario on our hands where get him out of the first round and that, that's all he's got. It could, mm-hmm. could well work out in his favour, but conversely, I, I suppose you could say, it, you know, it could not. It could just make Kamaev even more dangerous because he's got so much more time to work with and, and cause damage. So I think... That's what Edwards needs to to do. The other thing he needs to survive that first round and and take him into the try and get him into the championship rounds. And I think if he can do that, um, I think it's Edwards' fight. Do you see the fight going past the third round? Um, at the moment, no, I don't. Um, I do think it's it's going to be there's going to be a stoppage somewhere. Um, I think if it's in the first round, then it it's going to. I think it'll be Kamaev. Um, I think, I think Edwards has got to really show his how smart of a fighter he actually is in this fight. Um, I don't think he can just kind of go in all guns blazing against them. He's got to, he's got to be, you know, he's got to wait. He's got to be patient. He's got to bide his time and pick his spots. And if he can, if he can fight smartly like that, then whether he can finish him remains to be seen. But um, I think that's the way he's got to, he's got to go about that fight. Yeah, um, I agree. I think even though it would be intriguing to see it go into them championship rounds and that, I don't think it gets past the third. I think, um, I mean, we don't know what Kamayev's cardio's life and, you know, maybe surprises Edwards and is still fresh come that second round. And I, I think it would be, be intriguing to see. But right now, I think I, I'm rooting for a Kamayev. Well, I'm. I think he wins anyway. <laughs> mm. the, and the reason I bring that up is because, like you said, um, Chemayev hasn't even gone a full five minutes in the octagon, so why put him in a five-round fight? And it just makes me think about all the other fights that could be made that should be five-rounders. And the one that comes to mind off the top of my head is Zabit and Yair Rodriguez. I, I think that needs to be a five-round fight all day, every day. There's... If it's a three-round fight, you're doing the fighters and the fans a disservice. Yeah, um, no, I, I agree. Yeah, um, it's just it's an inter- it's a, I think it's a, it like you say it's a bit of a strange decision making it a five-round fight um, with them two. But I think that just is because I don't know, you know, Kamaev he's, he's making a big name for himself quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're giving him that. I suppose they're giving him his sort of his reward if you like for as I say just building his name quickly fighting so often um, I think if you look at it from that perspective it probably does make sense but I think that's probably the only perspective that it does make sense from yeah that's fair and one more thing I want to bring up have you guys heard about Tony Ferguson and Submission Underground yeah, Submission Underground um Fergs and don't don't think so. It's the uh, it's the uh, submission grappling uh, promotion that Chael Sonnen runs. Yeah. And there was a rumor that uh, Tony Ferguson was going to be grappling against GSP. Okay. And it was it was verbally agreed to, but uh, GSP wasn't able to get out of Canada. So, if that was to happen, what are, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Is this recent, is it? Yeah, um, I just found out about it earlier this week. Um, Tony was talking about it on Twitter, uh, I think a week or two ago, but then he did an interview with Chael Sonnen a couple days ago, and they actually, he actually said that it, it was going to happen. They've both verbally agreed to it, but GSP couldn't get out of Canada. I mean, strictly grappling, it, it would be 
it would be a spectacle to see. Um, I think that that's very difficult to call. Either way, purely grappling. Um, I think I'd pro myself personally. I'd probably just off the just if I had to make a, a snap decision now, I'd probably give the edge to to GSP still. Um, I think he's just he's done. He, he's He's, he's, you know, he's, he's out wrestled so many people over the years who, you know, so, especially some who, you know, maybe people wouldn't have thought he he would be able to out wrestle, and he has. So I would think he's he's got that sort of, he's got that elite level of, of wrestling, and I think at the minute, purely grappling, I think I'd probably give the edge to GSP myself. Yeah, and um, we're we're still to actually watch submission underground. Am I right in thinking? Does it start on the ground? Like a seated position, or um, is that just jujitsu tournaments? Is it? It's it's um they go by EBI rules, Eddie Bravo Invitational, and it starts on the feet, right. and they're in a crouched stance, and they try and take each other take each other down, or go for a limb, or something like that. And if they can't get a submission within five minutes, they go into overtime, and then they choose from an armbar position or a seatbelt. And I, if they can't get a submission in overtime, they go and add up the fastest escape time, and the winner's determined by who gets out the fastest. Right. Right. I, I think um, based on that, then I think I'd, yeah, I think JSP of the edge because I think obviously he's got the wrestling I think he's the more superior wrestler um, I think it might be different if it had started in like a seated position um, but I think with him having his wrestling I think he he, he does take hair fakes and down and he is, he is an active worker um, but yeah I, I think I'd go with JSP myself what what what, what are your like not projections, but how would you see that go? I think, as much as it hurts me to say it, I would probably favor GSP too. Um, I think it. Tony has such flexible hips, and he's able to sprawl takedowns, and his long arms and everything allows him to go for darces at all sorts of angles. But I think that GSP would be too physically strong for him. Just like the Mike Perry and Mickey Gall situation, I think it would just come down to who's stronger, and that might be GSP. I mean, he was a he was a 170 pounder most of his career. He moved up to 185. He was super strong there against Bisping. Um, I think Tony would have a chance to catch something, but I think GSP could escape it. Yeah, definitely. Um... It would certainly be interesting to see how they both fared with, with a straight-up grappling mm-hmm. uh, contest, though. I mean, you know, we, we used to seeing so much more from them than just that. That it would, uh, I don't think you'd be getting many of the casuals we talked about a moment ago <laughs> tuning into that fight, really. But yeah, I, I, th- I think it would be brilliant. Um, I've, I've heard quite a bit of, of a submission on the ground, but I've never, never had the chance to actually see it just yet um so i think that's probably one we're going to visit yeah. in the future um we are we've said it before we're trying to sort of you know outside of ufc we're kind of still new to mma as a whole mm-hmm. um so we are trying to to branch out as much as as much as possible and cover as many different promotions as we can mm-hmm. uh, which has been really fun um i mean yourself so obviously you've talked about submission underground there do you follow all the sort of well, not even necessarily major promotions, but you follow most of the MMA promotions out there. Um, I'll watch Bellator if I if I remember to. I was smart and I decided not to watch it last night because apparently that Musasi Lima fight was a complete uh, letdown. Um, but if there's a certain matchup that I'm really interested in, the last Bellator card I saw was Bandejas versus Pettis. Um, but my, my expertise and my passion really goes through the UFC. And if there's an athlete I, I'm interested in, because a lot of UFC fighters do submission underground tournaments. And the first, the first time I ever watched submission underground, it was Mike Perry versus Ally Aquina. And 
Yeah, and I was so invested in that because I'm a huge Iaquina fan. And Jillian Robertson and Jessica I have done tournaments with them too. Tournaments. Um, they, they've had matches with them too. And with Tony Ferguson, I mean, I, I love Tony Ferguson. I'm not going to not watch him do something. And <laughs> especially with his grappling, I wish we could see more of that in his fights because it's so slick. It's so different. And I think to see him in a submission grappling match... Um, is, would be really interesting and a lot of people are talking about Ferguson versus Oliveira I think I'd be more interested in seeing that in a submission grappling setting than in the octagon yeah I I, I mentioned um, the Ferguson and Oliveira uh, matchup I think that that would be, be a good matchup um, and I think they're both deserving of the shot as well um, but yeah there'd definitely be a, a different different aspects in the submission on the ground. Yeah, I suppose I suppose it's it's safer for them to, to sort of go into submission on the ground as well because obviously they're not taking damage from any hits or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, am I right in, in thinking that they're not, they don't have to be in the testing pool for submission on the ground? That I'm not completely sure. I think, I think to some extent that they do, but... I'm not sure. I know that a lot of the matches are open weight, um, so there's really no weight classes. Okay. So, which is probably how GSP and Ferguson would would even be able to be worked out anyway. But as far as the testing goes, I don't I don't follow the promotion that much to really know. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So again, I think that about uh, wraps it up for today. Uh, it's been really really great to talk to you, Chris, and. Uh, get your opinions on some of the latest ongoings in, in the world of MMA. Thanks. It was great to talk to you guys too. I mean, that this is why I started doing a podcast is to interact with people who love the sport as much as I do. So thanks for having me on. I'd love to do this again. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to.